the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Kia ora. E mihi ana kia koutou. It's in Port. I'm Jason. My name is not Aaron, but uh, uh, it seemed like it was kind of the Aaron, the Aaron thing for a little while there. But two of my names are Murray and Henderson, and I think that's how I got the gig, maybe. I just like, I've got two brothers, and I like reminding them both that I got the middle name. I got the Murray and the middle name, so yeah. Just another reminder, bro. Yeah. It's uh, uh, an immense privilege to uh, come and share a few thoughts with you this evening in what is a really special night for Huntley Baptist and for Night Church. I uh, didn't realize I'd be the first and the last uh, speaker for the year, so I don't know if that puts pressure on me or takes pressure off. I'm a little confused by that. But yeah, so one week to go. Who's excited for Christmas? Yeah, Aaron already did a little bit of a gauge of, of people's excitement. We must have been on the same page because I was going to ask you, you can talk with the person next to you about this actually, I was going to ask you on a scale of so excited I've been listening to Mariah Carey's Christmas album for two months already, all the way through to if I see another piece of tinsel I'm going to throw up, where are you on that spectrum in terms of your excitement for Christmas? Have a chat amongst, your, uh, amongst yourselves. I have to admit to you uh, that I, I can really easily tend towards the Grinch end of the spectrum when it comes to Christmas, but I've worked out this year what I think it is. It's just, we, we, we have such a long window to, to, to celebrate Christmas, uh, and, and I think we could pull it off in a shorter amount of time, you know? Like, for example, I was, I was walking through the shopping mall early in November, I think it was the second or third of November, and I heard a Christmas carol coming from one of the shops, and I actually said out loud to myself, I wasn't with anyone, no, out loud, in the, in the shopping mall must look like a little bit of a weirdo, but I guess, I guess I, I just wasn't ready, but I think being a dad and having kids uh, helps to bring back some of the, some of the wonder, you know, uh, going and choosing the Christmas tree and decorating that, and we've had an advent, a giant advent calendar that spans half our hallway, and each morning the kids get up excited to open up one of the new bags that's got today's uh, date on it, and that's probably got a lot to do with the fact that there's often chocolate inside, but it's just really cool to experience uh, this season through, uh, through kids' eyes. But there's actually something very special about the hopeful anticipation that Christmas often inspires, and as I get a little bit older, I think I appreciate more and more this Advent walk towards Christmas. It's not just Christmas, but there's an Advent season for a reason. It's a season of anticipation. It's a season of uh, um, yeah, an- anticipating God's hope breaking into this world. Uh, and so I think that if we expect all of that wonder and all of the celebration of that mystery to arrive all at once on one day, and let's face it, on one day that's often quite uh, chaotic and has challenges of its own, then then we might, that might be a bit of a stretch, I think, to imagine that that's what we're able to do. And so with hope and anticipation in mind tonight, I wanted to take a look at just a couple of responses that we see in the story, uh, in Scripture, the story of, of, of Christ's arrival, uh, um, which we obviously now talk about as Christmas, uh, and, and just 
observe those responses from those characters in the story and, and see what we can take from making that observation. And because I know that when you preach, you're supposed to have something snappy that people can remember, uh, I've said that this is kind of called those who recognized and those who were surprised. See what I did there? Those who recognized and those who were surprised. They're actually lyrics from my latest rap song, but I'm still working on it. So we'll begin uh, uh, with the story of those who recognize, and I'm going to read from Luke 2 here, picking up in verse 25. Uh, in Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in prayerful expectancy of, the help, uh, of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple uh, as the parents of the child Jesus brought him in. Uh, to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed him. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. Uh, it's now out in the open for everyone to see a God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. I'm just going to jump slightly ahead in that same verse. Anna, the prophetess, was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She'd been married for seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshipping night and day and, uh, with her fasting and praying. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praise to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. Uh, it would be pretty easy to, uh, for Simeon and Anna to go missing in the retelling of Jesus' arrival. Let's face it, uh, it's probably pretty hard to find a Christmas card that's got Simeon and Anna on the front of it. There's not, probably not many Simeon and Anna figurines hanging from your Christmas trees, I don't imagine. But the part that they play in this story is incredible. How did they know that this baby was the Messiah? The context here is that Joseph and Mary have taken their baby to be dedicated in the temple, and there was nothing out of the ordinary in how they had gone about doing this. Jewish babies were dedicated in a certain place at a certain time. This could have been any other Jewish family turning up with their baby to be dedicated. So how did they know? This was not Will and Kate standing outside the hospital in front of a scrum of media. Uh, this was not Rafiki holding up Simba atop of Pride Rock. Nah, nothing like that. So how did they know? How did they recognize the moment? We don't know a whole heap about Simeon. We don't actually know of any title that he had. He sometimes is given this cool-ass nickname by scholars, referenced as Simeon the God Receiver. Perhaps all we need to know is outlined in that scripture that we read Put so simply and beautifully, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. That might be enough of a bio. So did Simeon fluke being there at the temple in this moment that day? I don't think so. Luke says the Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died, and led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. Clearly, Simeon had uh, positioned his heart in a way that was open 
to the leadings of, of Wairua Tapu, of the Holy Spirit. But I would humbly suggest that this was more than just being led by the Spirit. I would say as well as that, it's because of the prayerful uh, uh, anticipation and the understanding that Simeon had of how this moment fitted within a bigger story. He was able to follow a thread back through history and, and make connections uh, inside this tradition, make, making sense, like I say, of the moment. And Luke 2 also introduces Anna. So let's just briefly look at Anna. Again, we don't have lots of information about Anna. Uh, she's really old, says that. She's been a widow for ages. Her tribal papa is mentioned here, but commentators suggest that that was actually less of a flex or like a name drop and more just trying to prove the point about that she was from a really ordinary place. A little bit like us saying, oh, you know, old Anna from Patararu. Forgive, forgive me, anyone from Pataruru? Uh, but in Anna, again, we have an incredible picture of a heart that is prepared to receive uh, and interpret the hope of the moment. It says she never left the temple area worshipping night and day with her fastings and prayers. And it's no surprise when we learn about Anna that her first response to the arrival of Jesus is an overflow into song. Anna's response was a, a, a natural response of how she had lived her life, and so was Simeon's. They recognized that this was the one they had been waiting for. I really love this story of the unsung heroes of Simeon and Anna. I almost want to add them to our little nativity scene at home. Maybe because they seemed like normal people who had given themselves to fully hopeful anticipation, even on the back of 400 years of silence, even in an environment where their story and that they clung to and the people that they represented seemed to be all but snuffed out by uh, uh, the heavy hand of Roman rule. I love their story because I imagine how comforting their response of recognition was for Joseph and Mary. Even after everything miraculous that's happened for Joseph and Mary, I imagine with this baby born and everything that's happened so far, they are still heading to things like the dedication thinking, is this for real? And then they meet these people who, without choirs of angels or any massive announcement, they seem to recognize the significance of this baby of theirs. How comforting, how reassuring for Joseph and Mary. So there were those who recognized, but when God's kingdom broke into our world in the form of Jesus, there were those who were surprised. I feel grateful for this group, because as much as I would hope that my heart posture and uh, uh, response to Christ revealing himself every day around us would match that of Simeon and Anna's anticipation, I have to wonder if I'm more often found in this second camp of people. The reason this group gives me hope is that even though these ordinary people weren't as prophetically aware as Simeon or Anna or the Magi, at the very least, their hearts were open enough to receive the hope of Christmas. These were not scholars or uh, astronomers or prophets who saw Christ, uh, Christmas coming from a mile off, but when heaven invaded and God revealed himself again, these people were at least not too occupied with themselves or busy being distracted, creating their own kingdoms, and perhaps God chose them for that reason. 
to show that his rescue plan was and is for everyone. Now, of course, there are so many beautiful characters that would fit uh, this description in the story of Christmas. The teenage girl chosen to bear the saviour of the world who replied to the wonderful surprise with, let it be done to me, just as you've said. The carpenter who took a little bit of convincing but courageously married and looked after his young pregnant wife despite the suspicion and ridicule of his community. The elderly couple who had given up hope of being parents only to find that the child they received in their later years would prepare the way for Jesus. But I thought this group of people, those who were surprised, might be beautifully summed up with this simple story that I'd like to read to you. And I know part of the responsibility is to uh, look at Scripture and to share some thoughts when you have the opportunity to do this. But if I'm qualified for anything, uh, uh, it might be reading you a child's story, reading you from a child's book. That might be the thing I'm most qualified to do uh, tonight. So I'm going to do that. This is from the Jesus Storybook Bible. There should be one of these uh, in every house that there are children. I'm not on commission with them or anything like that. It's just really good. I'll try and get through it without crying. I don't always make it through these stories without crying when I'm reading them to my kids. It's beautiful. That same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark, vaulted vaulted heavens, this one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale beside it. God put it there with... Uh, when his baby son was born, to be like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. So he pulled out all the stops. He sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little boy. Now, where would you spend, send your splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe? Or perhaps a palace? God sent his to a little hillside outside a little town in the middle of the night. He sent all those angels to sing for a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. In those days, remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them names, which I can't possibly mention here. You see, people thought shepherds were very important. Sorry. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed because they were the ones he chose to tell the good news to first. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields warming themselves by a campfire when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was that? They turned around. Standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. Today, in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels, armed with light. 
They were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God. To God be fame and honor and all our hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire, left their sheep, ran down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobbled streets, through the courtyard, down some steps, 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 past an inn, round the corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. They caught their breath. Then quietly they tiptoed inside. They knelt on the dirt floor. They had heard about this promised child, and now he was here, heaven's son the maker of the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be like that bright star shining in the sky that night, a light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see, and the darker the night got, the brighter the star would shine. I love the strong sense in these simple words that this light is truly for the whole world. It's incredible to me that the greatest signs and wonders of the Christmas story are revealed to and received by the most normal of people. Characters who would have never been cast in any man-made production of The Coming Messiah. If there is ever a question about whether the hope and light of Jesus is for certain nations and certain people, the revelation of Jesus' birth should shatter that idea as much, of the rest, as much as the rest of his life did. The shepherds are among many other normal people God placed at the center of his rescue plan, and they are here in this story as an intentional sign that this light and this life was on offer to all people, is on offer to all people. Whether they saw it coming or whether it took them by surprise. It might be interesting for us to uh, read this incredible, miraculous story and wonder what our response would have been uh, if we had been there at the time, but we weren't, so, so we can't know. But it probably goes without saying that the same Jesus these characters are responding to in the story lives and moves and reveals himself and his purposes around us now. The wonder of Christmas and the story that these characters found themselves inside is the same unfolding story we find ourselves inside now. So if we're wondering what our response would have been then, we could probably find some clues in what our response is now to God outworking his kingdom. I think put really simply, uh, these characters' response was affected by the posture of their heart cultivated way before the wonder of Christmas. Because Simeon grieved fully the darkness of the world around him and chose to wait in prayerful anticipation of a comforter anyway, he recognized that comfort when it arrived. Because Anna cultivated a life of worship, she recognized the only one worthy of that worship. And because their hearts were open and their hands were willing, everyday people like Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and a group of smelly shepherds allowed heaven to invade their hearts and their lives. It's not always easy to be hopeful. I understand that. And for some of you, this might be a season where to be hopeful is really hard work. But... 
One of the things that I see that is so beautiful in the story of Simeon and Anna in particular is that through the silence and through the darkness and through the hard times, there was a willingness to remain prayerful and to anticipate nonetheless. If I hold myself to that standard, I sometimes wonder if I would have been ready to receive Jesus and recognize who he was. But again, the beautiful thing in this story is that Yes, there were those that recognized, but yes, there were also those who were surprised. And so if it's really hard to hope for you in this season, my prayer for you is at the very least, you are able to be open and be ready that you may be surprised by God and his timing and his presence and the ways in which he might speak hope into your world uh, uh, this Christmas season and, and into the new year. Um, so I'll just uh, pray and then hand over. Lord Jesus, uh, whether or not we recognize you and the ways in which you are moving and the ways in which you are speaking now, we thank you that that doesn't, that doesn't stop you. You are moving. You are speaking you are stirring hearts, you are bringing hope. We ask that uh, for this uh, whānau, for this uh, group of people, that you would surprise us with your wonder this Christmas season with your hope once again. May uh, you plant anticipation in our hearts that we wouldn't arrive at next Sunday having done such a sprint that we're trying to fit all of our celebration and reflection on the wonder of Christmas into a day. We thank you that you are the bringer of light and the bringer of hope. We pray that you would do that in the whānau represented here and in this town as we, um, as we approach this special day and this wonderful holiday season. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.